Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Safe Ireland and Airbnb, working in partnership to support domestic violence survivors across Ireland. Welcome back to the Irish Times Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle. Today, we are going to be talking about the Sally Rooney effect. The Mayo Woman's third novel, Beautiful World, Where Are You?, is, as expected, going gangbusters all over the world. So we're talking to author of the Ashling series of books, Emer McLeisett, and to Fintan O'Toole, Irish Times columnist, critic and professor of Irish letters in Princeton University, New Jersey, about Rooney, about literary fame and whether, in fact, a rising Sally Rooney lifts all books. If we're talking about other young Irish writers and they're called the new Sally Rooney, it must be very, very frustrating. I'm thinking the likes of Megan Nolan, who had an exceptional book out, was it earlier this year, called Acts of Desperation. And she was, oh, the new Sally Rooney. And I read Megan's book and I was like, this is an excellent book. It's not a Sally Rooney book. It's, I mean, it's along the same lines, if you're going to say, like... I don't know, Man United are along the same lines as Liverpool. Like it's, you know, it's, <laughs> they're both football teams that wear red. So I don't know. And then I think people like Louise Nealon, Nisha Dolan, all kind of lumped into the same. It's great because they'll be marketed as the next Sally Rooney and more people might read their books, but their books are really good also. And they're not Sally Rooney. That's all in a moment and it's a great conversation. But first, a couple of stories from the week. I see that in England, Boris Johnson has ruled out prosecuting misogyny as a hate crime. He argues that it would just overload the justice system and make the fight against rape and domestic violence harder. The Prime Minister of England called violence against women the number one issue in policing and argued the way forces approach it is just not working. But when he was asked about the campaign for misogyny to be made a specific hate crime, he replied, rather than introducing new laws, what you need to do is enforce the existing laws. And as Catelyn Moran tweeted on hearing this news, she says, nice to hear this is such a big problem, we'll just never try and solve it, being punted to 52% of the population. And it does seem a bit strange that that's the case. It's such a huge problem, but we can't really do anything because the police will just get overloaded because there'll be so many uh, hate crimes in relation to misogyny. So there you go. And also a story I saw that today, the March for Maternity took place outside Dáil Éireann on Kildare Street. Hundreds of people gathered to call on the government and Health Minister Stephen Donnelly to end partner restriction in the neonatal units. You all know, because we've covered it and I know you've read about it and, and heard about it, that over the last year and a half, mothers have had to attend all their uh, hospital appointments alone and in a lot of cases give birth with no birthing partner. As I said, we've discussed this on the podcast previously. And since we discussed it, some of those restrictions have eased, but the campaigners are still keen to let everyone know that there are still lots of restrictions in place and the campaign group Women Ascend have been writing on their Instagram page and they say there's two issues. 
the overarching HSE, HBSE guidelines continue to separate women and their partners during labour, severely restrict partner access on wards and totally exclude partners from all antenatal appointments, the only exception being to high risk pregnancies. So they want to see the guidelines updated so that hospitals revert to pre-pandemic access for one nominated support partner. The second issue they have is that as if the basic minimum set out in the guidelines wasn't bad enough, most maternity hospitals and units aren't even complying with those guidelines, which is the piece of the puzzle that is the most distressing. They're saying it's a total postcode lottery and communication from hospitals is so poor that people don't have a clue what restrictions are in place in their hospitals, which is just absolutely disgraceful, really. So the best of luck to that campaign. In so many ways, it's been really shocking how women have been treated at their most vulnerable during this pandemic, whether it's domestic violence or whether it's these restrictions. And we hope that the protest and campaign have some effect and that restrictions do go back to what they were in pre-pandemic times and that hospitals aren't just using the, the pandemic as a good excuse to kind of minimise the access to people because women need people around them when they are going through such an important uh, time in their lives and I hope that does make a difference. Now to today's episode. When Sally Rooney's third novel, Beautiful World, Where Are You?, was launched last month, there was worldwide hype, a run on merchandise, including, bizarrely, Rooney-themed bucket hats. And there was pop-up shops in London. There was also, to think, bookshops opening earlier than usual. And as expected, the book began flying out of the shops and it hasn't stopped flying yet. It's on the top of the bestseller list in many, many countries. So we wanted to discuss the Sally Rooney effect, the book itself, her previous books and why her writing has hit such a universal chord. And of course, the effect of an Irish woman becoming the talk of the literary world, because there are so many young female writers emerging in Ireland at the moment. And inevitably, the spotlight on Sally Rooney is going to hopefully shine a bit on them too. The search for the next Sally Rooney is, okay, a bit tiresome, but it does mean that at the moment, the eyes of the literary world are on Ireland, which is exciting and hopefully will mean more readers for Irish women authors. To discuss this and much more, including the notion of literary fame, we got Irish Times columnist Emer McLeisett, author of the hugely successful Ashling series of books with Sarah Breen and Professor of Irish Letters in Princeton University and Irish Times columnist and critic Fintan O'Toole to give us their thoughts on the phenomenal success of Sally Rooney. Here it is, The Sally Rooney Effect. Emer, beautiful world, where are you? What did you think? I really enjoyed it. Like, I feel like I should have a more interesting answer than that or, you know, but I just really enjoyed it. I obviously had read her previous two books. Um, Normal People was the last one I read a couple of years ago, read it on a plane and really, really grim Ryanair flight and cried at the end. So I was like, yeah, this is this is somebody I'm into. And uh, when this book was coming out, I didn't really get as much caught up in the hype. And then at the very last minute, I was like, oh, I don't have a copy yet and it's coming out tomorrow. I need to Kindle it. So I just got it on my Kindle so I could start reading straight away. Um, what I love about her books is the relationships, really. I don't, I try not to look too deeply into the meaning and what she's, I mean, obviously you are constantly looking about what she's trying to say and what the themes are, etc. But I just really love the way she writes relationships, the way she writes young women and the relationships between young women and couples. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think the ending was controversial for some people because it is kind of tied up in a nice little bow, which isn't really what she's done in the past. Um, 
I kind of liked it. I felt like I spent the whole novel kind of on edge going, what's she going to do to them? What's she going to do to them? Oh, it's going to be grim at the end. It's going to be horrible. None of them are going to end up friends. It's going to be awful. And then it was okay in the end. Spoiler alert. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's okay. Fintan, what about you? I think that's a really good response. I enjoyed it. I mean, to anything, to any piece of art, I enjoyed it is probably the response that anyone who makes it wants to hear. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, none of us wants to read a book that we're not getting pleasure out of. You know, it's... There's a fundamental rule, isn't there? You know, it has to be engaging. I mean, it doesn't mean it has to be has to leave you sort of uh, completely uplifted and happy, but but the, the process has to be has to be a pleasurable one. And I think it's the first thing to say about her. You know, that like she's she she writes brilliantly, and writing brilliantly means writing in a way that keeps a reader engaged. Um, and she does this, I think, I think particularly amazingly with, as Ema was saying, like the, it's it's all sort of fine detail of relationships and emotions and h- how people can be incredibly intimate on the one side and yet not communicating with each other at all, you know, not not actually able to articulate their own desires. Absolutely, I, 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 I with, with this book, I suppose I should say I was sort of really worried about it when I heard a bit, there was a bit of stuff about, you know, what was it like and what was it about? And when I heard that one of the central characters was a young woman novelist who had, you know, done a two-book deal for an amazing amount of money and become incredibly famous and now anybody she meets was Googling her, I thought, oh God, no, please don't do that. You know, I, I hate reading books about writers writing about themselves and then about how difficult it is to be famous and all that, you know. So I, I was kind of a bit on edge about all of that side of it. I just thought she just managed it brilliantly, you know. I, I mean, she's 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 just so smart. She's so in control. She's so full of irony and coolness and detachment when she wants it to to work that way. Um, and I I I think you know she she's so interesting that it's sometimes easier to talk about her almost sociologically than aesthetically. If you know what I mean, like so you. You know, to forget that she's a novelist, she's a writer. Primarily, that's what she's doing, and she's a she's a bloody good writer. But the sociological stuff is is really interesting. I mean, just about she's trying to do something I think that hasn't been done before, and I think this is why she's such an important figure because she's trying to describe what what it's like to be in a world where social media has changed relationships hugely. And sex has changed enormously, right? So, so that people have a lot of sex. I mean, they have a recreational sex. And they, so so, so they, they, they both have this kind of very, very intimate bodily relationships and these sort of constant digital relationships. And this is sort of new in human history. Like, you, know, you might have had the birth, the, you know, the bodily stuff might have gone on at various points before, but the rest of it is new. And it's like, what does that do to people? And, and, and so her characters are people who want... Like feel that there should be something different out of this. There should be some other way of relating to each other. And I find that there isn't. You know? <laughs> like, it's what I remember saying about the end of this book about, oh, you know, is it all tied up? Because it actually ends up like a, it's a 19th century novel, really, about, you know, coupledom is where you end up. Um, and for some people, that would be very disappointing. And I, and I think for the characters, it's very disappointing. And that's what's so interesting. They, they, and it's the whole, the whole title, the irony title, Beautiful World, where are you? Like, the, there should be a new world. But it hasn't really come into being, so you have to deal with the one that you have. I just think the way she manages all of that is superb. Yeah, I think old-fashioned is, is an interesting word. It's a word that's been used a, a lot about it, which is interesting because it's so modern. But I mean, of course, there's a there's a type of, of novel and a structure and stuff. 
Emer, so we're talking about Alice and Felix and Eileen and Simon, the four characters. And I, I agree with you completely both about the relationships because for, when I'm reading Sally Rooney, I just, I'm completely immersed in it. I actually feel I'm there watching these people. There's something, I mean, it's not really surprising that Normal People was made into a series because she draws people so well and they're so uh, real and you get immersed in them. But the other thing I find really interesting about her, and I'm just wondering what you think, Emer, is that, there's a, a deep intellectualism running through because there's nobody. I mean, Felix is probably the more ordinary character. He's a young man who works in a warehouse, but even he's quite, you know, supremely emotionally intelligent. But at the same time, the emails that Eileen or Alice and Eileen are say you're sending off to each other are not the kind of emails that I'm writing to my friends or that I've ever written to my friends. Um, they're a certain type of very cerebral. They're talking about big themes, big issues, and then they'll pop in, oh, I saw Simon last night and had sex with him or something in the middle of it or at the end of it. I find it fascinating that the stuff she's talking about, late Bronze Age collapse, socialism, you know, as Finton mentioned, where are we in the world? What's going to happen? Is the world going to end? All these things are hitting such a chord, like it's such a mainstream audience. That really fascinates me. What do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, when I was first reading it, and I definitely saw some other people commenting, like I nobody would ever write emails like that to each other. Sally Rooney's not that stupid that she's going to put emails in a book that nobody would ever write to each other. I mean, she's not, you know, she's not going, well, this is the way me and my friends write to each other. So screw you if it's not the way you write to your friends. Like, she's not stupid. She knows that people are going to think that. On one part of me is like, maybe she does write emails like that to her friends. Let her off. I mean, I probably wouldn't read them because I was did find myself skimming through some of them, kind of going, OK, their thoughts. I loved the the kind of um, collapse of civilization stuff because I felt that fed really well into the you know overarching theme of the book, as did all of the other intellectual conversations. I mean, I think she was definitely trying to dig down into, you know, the second or third or fourth layers of the book, which are, you know, way beyond just the relationships between Felix and Alex and perhaps trying to distract from this conversation Felix was talking about or (laughs) Felix Finton was talking about. Um, (laughs) Maybe Finton was a young Felix, who knows? Um, (laughs) About whether or not Alice is Sally. Um, I think she had a really... I mean, I know she didn't do that many interviews, but I think if she had, she would have been constantly asked the same question over and over again. You're Alice, aren't you? You're definitely Alice. Roshi, and I know you interviewed her and probably had to come up with some kind I of did. questions. I did. I came up with a way yourself. of saying that that wasn't that, but pretty much, yeah. I think <laughs> what she's trying to do with those kind of intellectual conversations between Alice and Eileen is to set out the central theme of the book, which is the beautiful world, where are you? And why should we continue if we don't feel like there's much ahead of us? And, you know, is this civilization collapsing? Why should we bother carrying on trying to procreate or fall in love or do any of those things? That's how she's chosen to get that across. And it has now kind of trickled into the mainstream. You know, I know Sally Rooney is a literary writer and her books are literary novels, but they are very much mainstream, which I think is great. I think a lot of books have crossed over from kind of literary, not that well publicised or well distributed into more mainstream, not because of Sally Rooney, but she definitely has helped. And I think it's great that there might be some people who haven't perhaps read a book like that before with that kind of level of, you know, deep thinking sounds very kind of patronising, but you know what I mean. It's not just two emails between friends about fancying a lad or having sex with him on the couch. It's more than that, but it's tied up in this then kind of, you know, what I call the top layer of it is a story about two girls and two boys and the relationship they have together. 
And again, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> well, Fintan, on that, because I, I'd love to hear your take on it as well. Uh, the cerebral sort of intellectual side of it and the fact that it's, you know, it's been the biggest selling book. And the, these these books that she writes with all this, as as uh, Emer said, deep thinking in them are, are kind of people are lapping it up, which, you know, for people who say things are dumbing down and the world is getting stupider, it kind of it turns that on its head a bit. It does. And I mean, I love that about her. You know, I mean, I love the fact that she writes women who are who are really, really smart, you know, and, and who are not ashamed of their smartness, you know. And I think it's particularly important for a young woman who's also writing a lot about sex and the body, you know, that, that you know, that, that we're not going to get that pigeonhole then into, you know, to, oh, that's what women are interested in. You know, that's what women are about. You know, so so the fact that that these two female characters, you know, have these very very long, impassioned uh, email exchanges, you know, where they talk about the the Bronze Age collapse and of civilization, and they, you know, and they agonise about about the state of the world. Uh, I I actually think um, it's 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 very important, just you know, as a sort of feminist statement, I suppose. Firstly, but also I think what she's trying to get at is that our emotions are formed by the state of the world. Like that we can't just say, you know, what I think about sex or what I think about that bloke or what he thinks about me is is somehow completely different or separated from the fact that you're, you're in a generation which is feeling this rising panic about not just the sort of environmental c- catastrophe, but also, and this is brilliantly captured, like, you know, in Eileen's life here, just the detail of like, what's it like trying to get a flat in Dublin? What's it like sharing a place with people who don't like you because you've no other choice? What's it like living on a really low salary? You know, and a really important thing here is like two of the characters here have very, very little money. Like, so so Felix is working, um, as, as Ian was saying, in a um, warehouse, you know, Amazon-type place, I suppose. And... Eileen's working for a literary magazine, and it, it sounds like they're at the opposite ends of the spectrum. But of course, economically, and there's a wonderful scene where where where, where Felix realizes he earns more money than Eileen does, even you know, <laughs> she's even more exploited actually, you know. And 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 this world of things being very uncertain, no security, no real sense of your future, you know, and, and you can't separate that out from how you feel about sex and emotions and relationships because you, you particularly because big thing in this book is they're all turning 30 right? they're all hitting that wall right where you have to start thinking about what what is my future and where, where am i going with with my mm. life where am i going to live who am i going to be with but also where am i going to work and i think the way she ties all that together um w- w- with this bigger picture that this is not just about these individuals it's actually about a whole generation of people and of course that's why it hits such a such a familiar note for people in America or people in 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 Spain or people in presumably even people in China would would you know would have the same kinds of feelings about what's it like to live now and and that's what she's so so good at. Ema, you're I think you're closer to uh, the age of any Sally Rooney characters than either me or Fintan. So not that close, <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> you know the way we all think everyone else is really much younger than us, but you know do you, do you get what Fintan is saying there? Like I think that is the key, isn't it? How we live now. She seems to have to be able to put her finger on it in a very unique way, but in a way that is 
clearly resonating with loads and loads of people. Yeah, absolutely. Like Fintan mentioned earlier that it's basically a 19th century novel, which it is. And, you know, if you if you and there's been a lot written about the fact that it is, you know, essentially a 19th century novel, but it's been written in the 21st century. And she's written it in the context of social media and how the world is changing and Trump and how beauty has changed, not only in the world, but in like the plastic and the, um, you know, beauty products and expectations that are in front of us all the time. And she's really writing to that audience. She's really writing to that, you know, women turning 30 or, you know, I'm not saying that only women who are turning 30 can read her books and understand them. They're obviously very well understood and loved by a lot of different people, a lot of different genders, a lot of different nationalities. But I mean, she is writing for a particular generation. And I mean, I know this label, you know, the writer of her generation or, you know, she's going to be the one who's going to be remembered and people kind of rail against that. She doesn't represent me. She doesn't represent me. That's fine. But she represents somebody and that's okay too. You know, it doesn't have to be she has to represent every man for or every woman or every creed or whatever. Like she just is very popular for a reason. And the people who read her books are disseminating them. And that's okay. <laughs> yeah. And I want to get on to that. Um, I want to get on to what you've just described there about kind of the pressure of being uh, somebody who hits a certain moment. But before we get on to that, Fintan, can you just put into kind of context how unusual it is what is happening with Sally Rooney in terms of a young woman? Uh, I mean, the hype was enormous. I mean, there was the funny side of with the Sally Rooney bucket hats and the merch and all of that. And then there, there was pop-up shops in London. And I mean, you know, have you seen anything like it or how, how, how where does it fit in in the sort of literary sort of world? You know, I kept thinking about, because um, the, the book itself kind of reminds you, it has a lot of that sort of, uh, you know, early 19th century sort of feel to some of it. Uh, the epistolary novel, all that stuff going on. But um, Lord Byron, who of course was mad, bad and dangerous to know, um, f- famously said he awoke one morning to find himself famous, you know, because he'd, he'd published a poem, you know, a long poem that, that, that you know, suddenly, you know, everybody was reading. Um, and, and the same things happens to her, you know, and it's, it's, it, it, is, it is very unusual, you know. Um, most writers will tell you that overnight success, you know, comes after years and years and years and years. And I mean, she's had it from from very early on. I mean, so so really from the time that the the, the conversations with friends, I mean, was already, you know, part of this big two book deal, and you know, so there was already the hype was kind of already there to a large extent. Um, I invited her over to I'm in Princeton in 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 New Jersey in the United States, and 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 I invited her over a couple of years ago, you know. Um, to to do a reading and and it was kind of absolutely weird. It was like being the the booker in the the you know the dance hall in in moat you know who these fellas the Rolling Stones. I might, I mean should we get, we get them to play a set you know and then and then suddenly it's like the Rolling Stones. Oh yeah, well you know they, they, you know something has happened between the time that you 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 issued the invitation and the time that the the person arrives you know. And so usually these readings like you you know you'd get. 100 people remember it's very good very good for literary reading and of course the place was jammed you know and it was a wholly different audience like there were mostly young women and they were falling up you know uh, well hanging on every word she had to say and she was just brilliant i mean she was just absolutely in command you know it's i think one of the things that's kind of kept her sane is that she, she was a champion debater you know when she was in trinity she's used to the sort of public performance bit and projecting a personality and and she's very funny, you know. But you kind of forget that too, you know. She's she's very witty. She's 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 and she just has an audience in the palm of her hand, so she can do this stuff. And it's just as well she can, you know, because because it is um, 
it must be just dizzying, you know. I, I mean, I remember as a joke when we were in Princeton, you know, I, there was a poster up with her on it, you know, and I just I took one off the wall, I gave it to her, and I said, you may as well keep that as a, as a memento for when you're no longer famous, you know. <laughs> and it, it, I mean, it was a joke, but she, she definitely got the joke, you know. It was, it was just, and, and there's a lot of that in this book as well, just about how absurd the whole business is, you know. Um, but, but, you know, I, I, I just say, like, I, I, on Sunday, I was looking at the New York Times um, book review and the bestseller list, you know, and I thought, God, Sally's not on it. You know, that's weird, isn't it? And I said, oh, no, no, she's number one. I'm, you know, like, <laughs> somehow your eye just goes down the list, you know, and you think, oh, oh no, no. She's like, it's, it's, of course. I can't and, believe and, your and this, eyes went down when you're looking for I, Sally. I, I know, I mean, no, it's no, terrible. No, keep it's, your it's, eye it's, up it's an there. Admission, it's an admission on my part, you know. But, it, 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 I mean, it is very, very unusual. It's very unusual for a writer from Ireland to, to be able to do that because I, I remember, like, these characters are all Irish. Like, they're all, you know, it's... Um, you know, it's 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 obscure places in Ireland. Very often, the the world is is a very Irish world that she's describing. Yeah. You know, and she doesn't make any compromises in relation to any of that. Um, you know, and 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 it's um, it's hard for us, I think, to disentangle the sort of patriotic thing in a way. Just saying, you know, fantastic! Isn't it fantastic to see a, a young woman from Ireland, you know, ha- having this kind of success and making this kind of impact? From and then kind of standing back and saying, okay, well, is it any good or is it not? You know. Um, but 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 to, to be able to manage that thing of being incredibly popular and as Ian was saying, like pushing stuff, you know, like actually going quite far into into trying to deal with with very serious things and and do it in a way which is quite complex, you know, it's it's some trick to be able to pull off, you know, and you need an incredible poise to be able to do it, and I I, I think she has it. I remember when I was seeing the bucket hats and all that kind of promo material coming out, and as somebody who, you know, lives that side of it as well, just like, you know, on a much smaller scale than Sally internationally. But I would be very, very surprised if she had any hand in any of this. This isn't just speaking from my own, you know, this is what I think of it. If she had any hand in any of that promo, any of those ideas, I would be very, very surprised. I would imagine that she is six or seven people back from that and it has nothing to do with her because that's been her whole brand almost. As Fintan was saying, she's been a champion debater. I think she was number one debater in Europe at one stage. Um, she used to be on social media. She used to be active on social media. It's not that she's this recluse that I think people think people think she's a recluse who says nothing and is quiet as a mouse and has, you know, talks to her family and that's it. That's not true at all. But that's the brand she's built up about herself. And it's very, very successful. And that's also what's being shared. I think people kind of almost think she's great because of that. And I think it's great as well. I mean, the fact that she hasn't had to go out and majorly promote herself and majorly do the social media campaigns, it really speaks to the writing. And I think that's great. The new Safe Ireland Survivor Fund, in partnership with Airbnb, enables Safe Ireland to contribute to sustainable supports for women and frontline services and to provide focused actions for children. You can play a critical role in helping to protect more women and children from abuse. Donate directly to your local domestic violence service or to the national work of Safe Ireland. Go to www.safeireland.ie for more information. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. 
You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm talking to two people who have books out this month and um, well done both of you, I, you. I'm, I'm I'm nearly finished yours Emer, and I have Fintons which is giant so I have to take <laughs> like I'm gonna take a few days for Fintons it's very very big a few months yeah a few months yeah but I'll savor it but like Sally is never gonna have to schlep out to Ballymount to Tala to, to TV3 she's never going down to Dahi in Cork she's never ever ever had to or going to have to do any of that stuff are both of you a bit jealous for all the promo you two are gonna have to do for I your mean, books it's a very different world and I mean it's a very different style of of writing but I mean it is it is kind of no it's very admirable and I am kind of like god wouldn't that be great if you didn't have to but at the same time I'd be very surprised again if she's not sitting at home when the book is coming out like so nervous imagine being that lauded and being that anticipated and sitting quietly in your own home just worrying about it and thinking about it but I mean she is human at the end of the day she's not like walking through the fields going oh I don't really care what they think of my no. book no. of course she cares what they think of her book and it's so huge but I mean it would be nice to trip across the fields and not have to get on the train to Cork. <laughs> but, you know, the, like, the, it, it is really, really important like that for, for, for a young woman, you know, like we, I mean, everybody can see what it's like, you know. It's, it's 10 times, 100 times worse than it is for an old man like me, you know. Like, you really can't, you really can't compare it. Like, so, so, you know, I get abused forever, but, like, it's, it's, it's at a certain level. But the level of personalised abuse that, that young women get in any public role, you know, and how organised it is and how the misogyny just kind of, you know, seeps out from, from, from this underground reservoir, you know, and it just envelops you, you know. Um, and, and I think, you know, for, for, yes, there are fantastic advantages to, you know, to the fame and the money and all the rest of it, but... Uh, and there's nothing worse than people cringing about being famous, but but like it's, it's a it's a really serious business in the contemporary world to be a woman like her, and 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 to protect yourself and and not to be driven insane by it, and not to be dragged down by it. And we've already had bits of this, right? So one of the things that happens with social media, of course, is like it's 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 an attention economy. So if if you're a nobody and and you want notice, you know, you just you you you. Get that notice by attaching yourself somehow to somebody famous. So, and and Sally Rooney's in that category now. So you know somebody says, well, "Oh, you know, there's a Sally Rooney is a racist." Uh, what? <laughs> but but you know, it, it, it's I I get my three days of fame out of out of that. You know, however toxic and absurd it might be. So you know, the, the, like the, the not people are not going to start weeping for her, but like there is a human downside to it. And, like there's a great description. There's a line I think in the book where 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 Alice just talks about the business of everybody who meets you for the first time, they say who are you, and then they Google you. Like I, I, it's just 
it's just really hard to get your head around like what's that like you know like and, and i'm sure that comes from personal experience right somebody says who are you yeah. my name is sally rooney oh you're oh yeah a googly and then like the you know does sally rooney have endometriosis like what, what you know and like just this sort of mad list of crazy crazy shit that's just gonna start coming all around you you know and i you know i Again, I, I just admire the way that she deals with that. Mm. And I think she's brilliant on fame. But I just because I want to move on a little bit, I think that the idea of uh, when somebody, when this unusual thing that you've described that we were talking about happens, you know, all sorts of thing gets gets attached to a writer, you know, and she has to become so many things to so many people, which is, of course, absurd because she's just Sally Rooney writing the books that she wants to write. She's not writing for every single person in the world. And I asked her about this quote at the beginning of the book, and I'm just going to read it out in case anyone um, hasn't. Well, lots of people won't have read it, but a lot of people will. It's a quote from Natalia Ginsburg and a book called My Vocation. And it's uh, when I write something, I usually think it is very important and that I am a very fine writer. I think this happens to everyone. But there is one corner of my mind in which I know very well what I am, which is a small, very small writer. I swear I know it, but that doesn't matter much to me. And I love that she put that at the beginning of the book because I almost feel like it's a manifesto for Sally Rooney, the writer herself. She's really uh, aware that she is just a writer writing her books and all of this stuff and this swirling around her. She's she's really determined not to let it affect her. Um, so, Imer, do you, do you have any thoughts on that? And I suppose what I would like to get on to now is is kind of how a phenomenon like this, um, the Sally Rooney effect, I suppose. And I joked on Twitter, you know, a rising Sally Rooney uh, lifts all writers. And I think there's something to that. When when you two uh, got famous very early on, Fintan, you remember, there were so many A&R men in Dublin looking for the next one. And there's this terrible who is the next Sally Rooney. But in fact, Ireland, for its for its size, has a wealth of amazing, especially young women writers at the moment. So as one of them herself, Emer, what do you think about that Sally Rooney effect? Uh, well, going back to that quote and the idea of just being this one, I mean, at the end of the day, she is just a woman sitting in a room writing a book. And there was this preposterous column in the Sydney Morning Herald a couple of months ago. And there was a, it basically said that, you know, she was racist or, you know, she didn't write about, she didn't write about anybody, anybody but white Irish people living in a certain place. And, the response was actually quite heartening because it was like, what else do you expect her to write about? The tone of the column was wrong, all wrong. And what the writer actually meant, I think, was that Sally Rooney is privileged because she's a white Western writer. And that's true. But attacking her personally for that was just ridiculous. But anyway, what I mean to say is she is just a woman writing books that she wants to write at the end of the day. And that's what everyone's doing. I mean, Sally Rooney is up on this pedestal now and there's a lot of expectation of her, but she is just like her mom's daughter. She's her husband's wife. You know, she's just a person. And I think the same goes for any other writer. If we're talking about other young Irish writers and they're called the new Sally Rooney, it must be very, very frustrating. I mean, it's, I think Sally has said this herself, it's, you know, it's a really, it's a marketer's dream to have a 27-year-old Irish woman who's written a good novel about, you know, relationships or sadness or you know, bad things that have happened to them. They're like, great, it's the next Sally Rooney. I'm thinking the likes of Megan Nolan, who had an exceptional book out, was it earlier this year, called Acts of Desperation. And she was, oh, the new Sally Rooney. And I read Megan's book and I was like, this is an excellent book. It's not a Sally Rooney book. It's, I mean, it's along the same lines. If you're going to say, like... I don't know, Man United are along the same lines as Liverpool. Like it's, you know, it's, (laughs) they're both football teams that wear red. So, you know, (laughs) 
I don't know. And then I think people like Louise Nealon, Nisha Dolan, all kind of lumped into the same. It's great because they'll be marketed as the next Sally Rooney and more people might read their books, but their books are really good also and they're mm. not Sally Rooney. It happens with everything. It happens with films. It happens with absolutely everything and you can't really escape it. But hers just happens to be a much, much bigger star than we've seen really in a long time. Fintan, I asked her about that when I spoke to her and, um, you know, where she said, I'm sure there's nobody out there going, I want to be the next Sally Rooney. First thing she said, and she said it must be really tiresome. But she did mention what I'm calling the Sally Rooney effect, where she said it, I w- she would hope that it might have um, some benefit and that it might shine a bigger spotlight on particularly young women writers. And do you think that is the case? And maybe not just Irish ones, but generally, maybe it's something that wasn't seen, that it was going to be if there was going to be this phenomenon that it was going to be a very young woman writing about very, you know, ordinary things in some ways um, that was going to do it. And now it's like, oh, there's there's an appetite for this as if there was always an appetite for it. But it's like they've woken up to something. I think that's absolutely right. You know, and, and I think it's generational even more than Irish, although, you know, the, 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 there is an Irish effect. There's no, no, no question. I mean. You, you wrote a great column during the week, Russian, about um, about Maeve Binchy, or you know, th- thinking about Maeve, and 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 I think one of the things you were pointing out in that was that she was one of the first Irish writers to think that there's not a pie of you know like successful Irish writers, and if if some other bastard gets a big <laughs> slice of that, I'm getting a smaller slice, because that was like you'd be amazed. I mean, I'm old enough to you know have known a lot of those older writers, brilliant writers, and I'm not going to name them, but you know. And they were beautiful people and fantastic creative people. Mention another Irish writer in their company and they turned into monsters. You know, it's just, and it was this thing that, you know, if, if they're getting it, I'm not getting it. And, and, and there's a, you know, it's a completely fixed thing of Irish writing has a certain place in the world and, and that's, that's it, you know. There's not enough room for, for all of us. And they eventually was, and actually Colm Sabine as well, actually, I think we're the first two people I remember who said, that's ridiculous, you know. Uh, it's like, it's, the, it's completely the opposite. Like, that if, if, if one of us is successful, you know, we, that, that's the, the way international publishing works is, and of course it's ridiculous, you know, but they're, they're all going to be around the, 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 the honeypot. Like, you know, oh, this is where the next thing is going to yeah. come. And, you know, and of course this can be ludicrous, you know, being the next Sally Rooney, all that stuff is... I mean, there's a great song by Loudon Wainwright about, you know, the, the, the support group of guys who were the new Bob Dylan, you know, in, in 1970 or whatever, you know, and they still meet every so often, you know, with their therapists and whatever, you know. But, but you know, no, nobody wants that. But, but I think it does draw attention to this extraordinary flowering of writing by young Irish women, you know, and, and let's name it. And, and I don't mean here to be, you know, to exclude the fact that there's also fantastic writing going on by young Irish men. Um, yes. But, but you know, it, 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 it just is a wonderful, wonderful thing to see. And the quality is astonishing. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I, I find it hard to keep up, you know, like the, the, yeah. the, the number of women you feel, like, I really have to read this, you know. Yeah. And, and you start and say, yeah, it, it, it's... It is as good, it, you know. It doesn't need hype, you know. Like the, and you know, writers who've barely kind of really broken through in a kind of public conscious, like Louise Kennedy or something. You know, I just think oh, this is just sensationally good, you know. And 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 there's there's at least a dozen, you know, really fantastic writers. And you know what Fintan's amazing as well, just on that, is uh, so many of them from Northern Ireland, which I am absolutely loving because we're now seeing fiction from that part of our country 
that we were not seeing at all. And I think it started kind of um, with Milkman. I think that was the, the beginning of it. And actually, funnily enough, Dairy Girls and Milkman happened at similar sort of times. And it was like suddenly we were able to to hear from the North in a very different way, like enough time had elapsed. And now we've got Michelle Gallen and you mentioned Louise Kennedy there. I think there's an, the Northern Connection and there's so many young women writing in Northern Ireland too. Emer, do you think it's an exciting time generally? And I know fin- Finton's right. We have to mention the men. We can't leave them <laughs> out. And, and poor Finton with his book. We have, you know, we've got a book out too, Finton. We'll talk about it in a minute. But, um, you know, I think particularly for women though, and, and you're part of that, Emer. So it is a, is it a buzzy time? Like you've got your new Ashling book out now and there's so many great, Great things and so many different kind of books they're all different it's a really buzzy time like talking about like Sarah who Sarah Breen who I write the books with and I like we kind of we didn't have any experience of the Irish literary scene before the first Ashling book came out we hadn't been writing for years we kind of wrote the book and had it published very quickly and that all happened and the community like in Ireland is amazing but it's so like it's so so amazing to see so many Irish writers do so well internationally and you feel a real kind of kinship with them and I know you were saying about what Maeve Binchy had said and you know if if one person is successful the other person can't be but I really do feel like it is that rising Sally Rooney tide that kind of pulls other people up with her because it's a zeitgeisty thing and people want to read more books like that and I don't think it's limited to just women I find myself now as well reading not exclusively but about 70 to 80 percent of just Irish writers and you can't keep up with the number of new books that are coming out <laughs> and it's not that they're just publishing for the sake of it oh well Sally Rooney's been big or you know Donald Ryan's big and we want to publish more books like that it's that they're all great but now they're all getting more airtime and more people are getting to see it but it is it's a it's a great thing to be even a small part of um yeah. and I feel really proud like whenever I see something like Sally like hearing Sally Rooney is still on the top of the New York Times bestseller list you're like oh my god that's amazing I'd say she's going to be there for a while good for um, her because I said I don't want to leave you out and actually I'm not really a big history reader. Um, I don't tend to, like sometimes I will, I'll go for a Michael Collins biography or something like that. But yours is the first sort of history book I'm actually dying to read because of the way that you've structured it. So what you've done is you've written a book uh, taking the sort of year that you were born and then following Ireland's fortunes from there and and following your life too. So I'm really, I'm actually just a bit nosy to get to know a bit more about you as well. (laughs) But there are um, elements in that that will be of interest, I think, to women's podcast listeners because you really chart that whole that um, I mean, it starts with an, an anecdote about Bishop McQuaid, who kind of uh, you know censored or or stopped the Dublin Theatre Festival around this time in 1958. Um, so, give us a little elevator pitch for for women's podcast listeners about why they should buy your book. Well, I think just just remember if you're going and you're buying a Sally Rooney book, just just buy one of Emer's and one of mine as well, you know, because I think that's what Sally would really want. I, I, I really deeply feel. That, that, that. I totally endorse that um, message. Well, you know, I suppose one of the things I'm trying to describe in the book is is how important feminism was for somebody like me, you know. So as a kid, like nobody talked about sex, nobody talked about the body, and nobody stood up to the church. And like something like the contraceptive training, like something people know about, but like, like just what it was like to be... 12 or 13 year old dirty minded little boy, you know, uh, look, looking at the news, right? And suddenly there were, there were these women who were waving, you know, things that were supposed to be, I mean, now, now they weren't even contraceptives actually because they couldn't get them, you know, they yeah. were <laughs> packets of aspirin or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, but, 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 you know, the, the opening up of that, or, or 
later on, like the moment when Annie Murphy stood up to Gay Byrne, you know, like like where where like and Gay Byrne is like a huge hero figure in, in some ways, you know, because he but he judged everything so well in Ireland up to that point, and then you realize, oh, this this world has changed because Gay Byrne doesn't understand it anymore. He doesn't understand how to deal with Annie Murphy. And there's that moment at the end of where Annie Murphy, who was Bishop Casey's lover, you know, and and and, and raised a child, where where Gay Byrne says to her, "Well, if if your son is half the man his father was, he'll be doing okay," you know, and it's just like astonishing line. But she just says, well, "I'm not so bad myself, Mister Byrne," yeah. and she just gets up and walks yeah. out. And it was just like, oh wow, you know. The, the, and so so often through this whole period, it was women standing up. Or like just one other example is you know my great friend Mary Raftery you know who who, who did the States of Fear programs you know uh, under incredible pressure and extraordinarily psychological difficulty of going down into that hellhole and, and hauling things up and, and 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 telling truths you know and so when you look at it over the and I'm terrible sad to say it's sixty three bloody years you know I didn't that's why the book is long I I completely forgotten how old <laughs> I am you know how many years this is um, but you, you know it's so often it's sort of women either publicly or privately you know just those acts of defiance and, and those acts of insistence on on trying to bring together... So that's what the big theme of the book is, that there's these two Irelands all the time. You know, there's the, the, the one that we we know, in inverted commas, and the one that we actually know, you know, and, and they're always different, you know, the, the, the official version of ourselves and the, the reality that people actually lived. And it was mostly it was women and through women's bodies and women's experiences that those two things collided. And uh, the book is called We Don't Know Ourselves, right? Yeah. Which is a great, I love that line. I think it's really nice to take that Irish phrase and it's so true in a way, but I, I'm, that's why I'm saying it's the first history book that I'm really excited about reading. Uh, Emer, before you go, Ashling has gone to New York, which I think is great to take her out of her comfort zone and see how she gets on. When Did you get that idea early on? Why did you want to remove her and bring her to somewhere like Manhattan? Uh, we had always talked about bringing Ashling to New York because it's such a quintessential experience, especially for a young Irish woman to go to New York, maybe in November for the Christmas shopping. We don't really do it so much anymore because online shopping has kind of taken away the excitement of that. But I think going to New York for Irish people can be a real formative experience because... I feel like there's a lot of New York in our kind of more recent folklore and people, everyone has a cousin who's a bricklayer there. Everyone knows an auntie, you know, everyone has a bit of New York in them. I think that sounds kind of cheesy, but I think they do. And we wanted to put Ashling into that scenario and see how she would react. Lots of Irish people in New York. So lots of people for her to cling on to, lots of new Americans for her to meet. So it was a, a rich seam that we were able to yeah. pick at. And really, I mean, going back to Sally Rooney, I really, uh, I think Ashling at the heart as well is all about friendships too and relationships. I mean, that's what kind of is always there. That's what you expect from an Ashling book. She's either going to fall out with Magella or their, their <laughs> friendship's going to get bigger. And she makes lots of new friends in this book. So that's inevitably going to let other people feel left out or whatever. Yeah, so Magella's loads... a married woman now. So that's all changed for Ashling. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but just finally on Sally Rooney from, from both of you, if there's anyone listening who's thinking, because I know I I'm guilty of this sometimes. I just happen to have read conversations with friends very early on. And as soon as I read the first page, I kind of like was entranced by Sally Rooney very early on. And I'm still that way. I would just, I would, if she was writing the back of a cornflake packet, I would want to read what she said. That's me. But I know there's some people listening who kind of feel, oh, I can't be going near anything that has so much hype because I get like that about other things, about some films or Netflix things that everyone's talking about. It turns me off. So Emer, coming to you first. 
why maybe should someone who hasn't yet pick up Sally Rooney and give it a go? If you think Sally Rooney isn't for you, that's fine. But the thing is, there's probably something in it for everybody. Like, as I said, if you're just thinking about the relationship, she writes that so beautifully. I feel like she writes like people think and she writes it very sparsely. But at the same time, she manages to get everything in, which I think is amazing. And that's what I love about her writing is mm. I read this on Kindle, which I, I wouldn't I usually try to read everything in book form, read it on Kindle. And for the first time ever, I was highlighting things. Kindle has a highlight function. And I was like, oh, I want to remember that. I want to remember that. Yeah, it's just beautiful writing. Yeah, I said I said to her, it's a bit embarrassing. I didn't put it in the article. I was like, I just feel more intelligent after I've read one of your books. She was just <laughs> looking at me going, OK, grand. <laughs> you can imagine Eber, though, you know, talking to someone like Sally Rooney, you're bound to say at least 10 things that just sound really oh, stupid. I, I met her once and I told her her hair was lovely and shiny. So, you know, Roisin. Oh, God. OK, <laughs> that's that's worse than anything I've done. <laughs> Finton, what do you think about the kind of people who are thinking, oh, I don't know about this hype. It's probably, you know, all a load of rubbish. I could well have been one of them. I mean, I, I, I refused to watch Star Wars for about three years. You know, so it's like, I, I completely sympathise, you know. Yeah. I, I think what I'd just say to people is, look, you know, like it's not, a, it's not obligatory, you know. It's a, it's yeah. a pleasure. Like if you're not going to enjoy it, don't, don't, don't bother. Like there's lots of great books out there, including like Demers and mine, you know. And that <laughs> I can, but, but, you know, like it, 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 you don't have to approach it thinking, oh, I have to read this to understand the world or something, you know. Um, it, they are novels, you know, and, and they are meant to engage you. I, I, the thing I would just say is that, like, she's a great storyteller, you know, yeah. in that's not like big, sort of huge or dramatic plots, but it's that detail of how people relate to each other and how their relationships change and evolve. And she's, you know, Emer used the word, like, it's, she's luminously intelligent, you know. And, and I, don't, I don't mean that in a sort of, you know, arid intellectual way, no. you know, but her, her thought process, you know, the way she's thinking about what's happening in these people's lives. And the way she's thinking about what sentence can I construct at this point that sort of gets mm. that, you know, it just radiates this intelligence, you know, and it's it's just it's like being in the company of somebody who is both very, very smart and very, very engaging. And, and you know, I, I, I think if you enjoy both of those things. If you don't like people who are smart, then probably don't read it. <laughs> and if you don't like... And, you know, as you're talking there, Fintan, um, I'm just, what came vividly to my mind is the scene in the book, which I sort of think is sort of against what I've been saying about the intellectualism and all that with the cerebral stuff. She describes an Irish house party and a young man, Felix, you know, singing a song. I think it's the Ockram song. What's it called? It's the Lass of Ockram, which of course is a kind of... The Lass of Ockram. And he's standing there in the corner of this uh, kitchen singing and it's like a moment that we all know because we've all been at a party like that and it's it it moves Alice so much that she she starts crying and it's it's a perfectly pitched description of that kind of event and in someone else's hands you it wouldn't it wouldn't work she's masterful at that and that's that's the thing you're in that room you're listening to that song you're feeling what Alice is feeling and isn't that the kind of testament of of a brilliant writer I mean, good writing is detail, 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 you know, and, and, and that's, that's what she can do. She can pin the detail through the prose, you know, and the, the, the balance between, so like sometimes if I was, if it wasn't her writing it, I would think, would you people ever get a life? You know, like, would you ever just tell each other what you want? Maybe like, you know, would you actually say like, I really love you and I'd really like to be with, you know, no. maybe like that might work. And then, you know, we wouldn't have to have another 200 pages, <laughs> but, but, but. but so if it wasn't for the way she writes it, 
I think I would actually find it very irritating myself, you know, mm. as a as a as an alpha, you know. But 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 there's always this tension between the characters who can get really kind of overwrought, you know, and the prose, which never does, you know. So so the writing is always has that kind of little bit of. I think Graham Greene said a writer needs um, a shard of ice in their bloodstream, you know, or something like that. That you know, she has the shard of ice like that. She she's also watching everything and everybody with that kind of cool detachment, you know, and that's what makes it work. Because if you don't have that, it's just these people who really kind of should just get on with it. You know? <laughs> but, yeah. but, you know, I think that's what makes it mesmerizing, I think. Yeah, I, I think that's a great way to end it. Emer and Finton, thank you so much. I will say that um, the new Ashling book is called Ashling and the City, Emer, right? That's it. And Finton's book, which is very big, but really, I've I read a few pages and you get right in there and you find out things about Finton and that young boy he was and also who doesn't want to know that that's called we don't know ourselves and they're both brilliant and like like we say there are plenty of books around and and sally rooney is one irish writer who is certainly a phenomenon at the moment but you know one thing's for sure there's going to be many more and hopefully people will eventually just let sally rooney be someone who writes her books every couple of years and we won't have to have this thing every time because i'm sure as emer said earlier and she said it to me as well it's very stressful. Can you imagine, like like you say, tripping through the fields and going home and sitting there and like all this talk around you? So we're not, we're not, you know, we haven't got our violins out quite for, for Sally, but, you know, we do feel her pain on that level. So Emer McLeisett and Fintan O'Toole, thank you very much for being here. Thanks, Roisin. Thanks, Roisin. That was Emer McLeisett and Fintan O'Toole. Thanks very much to both of them. That's all we have time for. The podcast is produced by me, Roisin Ingle, by Suzanne Brennan and by Jennifer Ryan with JJ Vernon on sound. Contact us on social, on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter using at IT Women's Podcast. We're on email to thewomenspodcast at irishtimes.com and we love hearing from you. So maybe you can get in touch and let us know what you thought of the new Sally Rooney book. Until the next time, mind yourselves and thanks very much for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.